The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, good morning and welcome to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we are here live today. If you're listening to us on a Saturday on an AFR station or at some other time during the day other than 8 a.m. Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, then you're not catching us live. But you can by getting our phone app. Um, If you're listening on an AFR station, you could ask them to put us back on at that time slot so you can catch us live. Or you can watch on uh, one of the other social media outlets that we're on, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram. What am I missing here? Uh, Twitter, Rumble, all of those great places that you can uh, catch us live and interact with us. That helps us to grow organically. If you just wave or post your comment or question or share us with your people, we would appreciate that greatly. Well, uh, the retreat is signups are still going on. We're having a financial issues retreat April the 16th through the 18th at the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center in North Carolina. It's a beautiful place. We're about half full. So if you haven't registered yet, you're going to want to get on our website, financialissues.org, and get that done today. As promised, ESG, that is a, a values-based type of investing, is under attack and we also have the Pope coming out and recognizing the va- the importance of values-based investing. Now, I don't believe that the Pope is advocating for ESG because ESG is a values-based investing that is much different than BRI. So alphabets, apologize for the alphabet soup this morning, but BRI is biblically responsible investing. So the ESG movement broadly seeks to promote a green energy transition, that's what the E stands for, environmental, and left-wing social priorities through the financial sector. So this is the uh, the part of their strategy, the left strategy to hit the financial sector to promote their agenda. So the S stands for social. They, the ESG movement advocates for LGBTQ plus alphabet soup um, values because they believe in inclusion and diversity in biblically responsible investing. We absolutely believe that human beings were created in God's image and that they deserve to be treated well in spite of their sin. But we do not say the opposite of what the scripture says, that it is okay to flaunt your sin, to persist in your sin, and to encourage other people to commit the same sin that you're that you're committing. So ESG has had a tremendous impact on corporate America, mostly because the big three financial firms, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, control, not own, they control so many shares of publicly traded companies that these companies are having to cave to their demands. Remember the environmental, the social, all of their values to prevent them from selling their shares and taking their stock. So here's an example. In 2000 and 
2020, engine number one, which was an activist hedge fund, was successful in getting three board members elected to ExxonMobil's board of directors. ExxonMobil, not biblically responsible, just for the disclaimer there, not a recommendation to buy or sell. This is just telling you what happened. And guess who helped? BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, because they voted the shares that are owned by their shareholders that they held in street name. So they were able to get these new uh, board of directors appointed to ExxonMobil. And shortly after that, those board of directors said that Exxon needed to cut oil production because it's such an evil thing to get oil out of the ground and destroy the world. So they attacked the uh, one of the world's biggest oil companies and forced them to follow their own agenda. So BlackRock is currently the world's largest asset manager with roughly $8 trillion under management. And it's one of the institutions that have led this charge for ESG standards in recent years. BlackRock's CEO is Larry Fink, and he is an avid activist for climate change and other leftist ideals. So he has been voting BlackRock's shares to push the agenda with corporate America. Shares that he doesn't own, BlackRock doesn't own, many of you may actually own these shares. If you have a 401k, it's likely that you have at least one fund that's managed by BlackRock. If you have a traditional money manager, you likely have some money that is being controlled by BlackRock. In fact, more than 35 million Americans have holdings in BlackRock because BlackRock handles several pension funds, both in the public and private sector. Larry Fink is now under attack by both the left and the right. He's not pleasing either side as he engages in this culture war. Here's a list of states that are taking action. Texas. There's 19 states, by the way. I'm not going to go over all of them. But Texas, that's my state. Uh, Proud Texan here. First state to ban BlackRock from doing business with our state. Greg Abbott signed a law in 2021 to ban financial companies that have ESG policies that discriminate against the oil and gas sector. That's because Texas' economy is highly dependent on the oil and gas sector. This includes BlackRock and several other financial companies. On December 7th, Texas issued a subpoena against BlackRock um, due to its ESG push to look into uh, what's actually happening. Are they putting this agenda ahead of their fiduciary responsibility to, to take care of clients' money and get a good return at the expense of pursuing their, their social agenda? Arizona said it was pulling funds from BlackRock due to ESG issues, roughly $543 million. Arizona Treasurer Kimberly Lee has said that has done the same thing, and she says we will continue to fight back against the dangerous path of companies pushing their social issues and wokeism inside of the investment space and return to traditional money management that puts the people first. Hey, there's a novel idea. North Carolina, uh, their treasurer has called for Fink's resi- resignation because of uh, their wokeism. Florida's taking away two billion dollars from BlackRock before the end of the year. Louisiana and Missouri are also taking funds totaling almost $2 billion between the two. Louisiana is threatening to divest of BlackRock holdings over ESG policies because their ESG agenda, Louisiana says, would destroy their economy. So there's 19 states. They're being led by the Arizona governor, 
Um, and they're pushing back against BlackRock's woke agenda. They've written a letter to BlackRock. They've asked for uh, Larry Fink to step down. And on the other side of the, the aisle, even the left is unhappy, wanting BlackRock to be more ESG focused. So New York, after BlackRock uh, defended its policies to several republic to this uh, inquiry led by the Arizona Attorney General, New York is now saying that BlackRock is not doing enough to fight climate change. Individuals are weighing in, too. Steve, Steve Malloy, who served on President Trump's transition team, called it a bad day at BlackRock. ESG is an illegal leftist scam for circumventing, circumventing democratic processes to impose arbitrary standards on corporations and hijack them for political purpose. Even Elon Musk weighed in. He said ESG is the devil. <laughs> so lots of things happening here. Elon, the devil is real, and he seeks to do far more than the sinister things of ESG. But that brings us to the question, should we be doing this values-based investing? Isn't this the same thing that the other side is doing? Well, you're going to have to hang around and come back after this break to hear my answer. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and we'll be back with more financial issues in just a minute. Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances, even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty that you have. You're not taking anything in. It is incredibly generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you, and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Did you know that an average 1.2 million babies are aborted each year? Listen, we have an opportunity at Financial Issues to change that, and we're doing it. Tens of thousands of lives have been saved because of Financial Issues listeners just like you. For $140, you could save the lives of five babies. All $140 goes to the Pregnancy Center to sponsor ultrasounds. 80% of the time, these ultrasounds will change the mind of a young lady that is considering abortion to choose life. Would you join us in the fight against the atrocity of abortion? I hope that you'll go to preborn.org or call pound 250 The keyword is baby when you're asked. Preborn.org. That's preborn.org.
All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India, at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children, and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit IndiaPartners.org to see how your gift can reach into the red light district and provide days of safety for one of these five million children. Now back to financial issues week in review. All right, well welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt. So in the first segment, I was talking about, I kind of set up for you, what is this ESG? How has it impacted corporate America? Who are the guilty parties? What's happening? And we talked about ESG being a values-based investing strategy. And that brings us to our ministry. So our ministry advocates for biblically responsible investing, which is also a values-based investing strategy. Here's where we're different. Should we be doing BRI? I say, yes, we should. So BRI, Biblically Responsible Investing, advocates for the culture war to be fought by individuals, not multi-billion dollar corporations who are charged with the stewardship responsibilities of running an excellent company. So corporations are perpetual, but they're not eternal entities. They end when this world ends. They have no soul like humans do. Humans are the crowning creation of God of all of God's creation. Corporations operate in man's economy. Individuals operate in God's economy and have a higher calling. Corporations have a stewardship responsibility, yes, but their stewardship responsibility is to earn a profit in a legal and ethical way to operate in excellence, to run a great business, to treat their employees good, their their customers good, be responsible as they use the resources of this world. But the bottom line is what corporations are supposed to be concerned about. So it is human beings who will stand before God one day. We're all going to get this exit interview. We're going to be asked what we did with the time, talent, and treasure that the Lord trusted us with. So I would submit to you that in the parable of the talents, it was not the returns of the stewards or managers that was judged. It was their hearts. So they were only responsible to commit their hearts to honoring God and taking seriously the responsibilities assigned to them by God, who owns it all. The successful 100% returns of the first two, sh- two stewards show the results of stewards who were, p- who were pleasing to the Lord. They were not asked how they achieved 
these stellar returns in their exit interview. We are just left to assume that God held true to his character and gave success to those who were seeking after him. The steward who returned 0% just returned the investment, the original investment back to the master when he came back. His exit interview was recorded. He said that he was scared and he criticized the fairness of the master. He was punished not for zero return, but for laziness and wickedness that resulted from a heart that wasn't seeking after God. He didn't care about the responsibility that he had been given. He was just afraid of being punished. So he did the bare minimum. So let me just encourage you today. Be a steward that seeks to know the master. Truly know his heart and how he feels about you. And then you'll understand what your responsibilities are. So here at the ministry, our goal is to help defund the darkness that's happening in this world through the use of ESG and other things. You know, the if you look around, it's not hard to see. President Biden signed into, into law the Disrespect for Marriage Act, which we won't go down that rabbit trail today, but just know that it happened and religious liberties are going to be coming under attack. But let us just encourage you, defund darkness. We're not asking these companies to go down to the river and get baptized, as Dan would say. We're just asking them to run profitable companies and disengage from the culture war. And now it seems that so many states and individuals, as we're becoming aware of what's happening, how these companies are using our money to influence their agenda, we're pushing back. So without further ado, let's get to some questions. We have some calls. We have Paul from Texas. Yep. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Shanna. Uh, TD Ameritrade and Schwab have become one as of February 22023. And I'm wondering, I think Dan used to always say that Schwab was not one we really wanted to uh, deal with, but he recommended TD Ameritrade. I'm just wondering, there was one other one, and I don't remember what it was, but I'm wondering what your take is on that. Should I uh, get out of TD Ameritrade slash Schwab and go to somebody else as my broker or what? So the most important thing there is what they're going to allow you to do. So Schwab has a pretty liberal ideology. They're not very Israel friendly. So you can't, you know, if I think if you have the Timothy funds, uh, specifically the Israel fund that you can keep it, but you just can't really add to it. What I would do is find out if you like your platform, uh, find out how it's going to change. Are they going to put restrictions on you about what you can buy and then make your decision that way? Um, there are a couple of other, and this is not an endorsement for one over the other, but there are other discount brokerage platforms that you could check out and check into. Uh, there's the Fidelity has a discount brokerage. Vanguard has a discount brokerage. Um, Interactive Brokers. There's uh, maybe some other ones out there that I'm just not thinking of at the moment. But the most important thing is what they allow you to do. So that's that's where you're going to want to focus your attention because um, you want to be able to buy the things and sell the things that are on the buy list and, and or on the in your portfolio recommendation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, 
Fidelity was the other one that that he highly recommended, along with TD Ameritrade, and and uh, mm-hmm. so. Uh, I'll check that out and go from there. It all has to do with what they allow you to do. And the other thing that you just have to be a little bit aware of is that if you get into some of these companies that also have the full service suite, a lot of times if you call in and ask for help with something, they'll try to get you connected with one of their advisors and move you on to kind of a fee basis. Um, The feedback that I've heard from that is that people will say, you know, oh, well, I follow a biblically responsible strategy. And then sometimes they're told, oh, we can do that. We can help you with that. Come to find out they don't really quite understand what it means to be biblically responsible and or that it's not really a priority for them. So I would just say, you know, keep your eyes open for that. Okay. Okay. All right. I appreciate it very much. Y'all have a wonderful day. You too, Paul. All right. Let's get to some of those social or website questions. Yeah. Good deal, Shanna. I love that. Let's do this next one here. We have, let's see, we just did Craig. So let's get to Eddie here. He's saying, I have an annuity with Modern Woodman that is a traditional IRA. I have had it for over 25 years, so there are no surrender charges. The interest rate is 4%. The annuity matures on December 1st of 2024. My question is, would you advise going ahead and taking the surrender value instead of waiting until the maturity date? My concern is waiting two years before I can start investing this money. Thank you. I'm 69 years old. Okay, so that's a lot of good information, but there's still some missing pieces uh, to make a really good decision. So, Eddie, you will know what the answer to these questions for, and then it'll be edifying for everyone else that is listening. So 4% is a good rate. It depends on what your goals are for that part of the money. So, for example, if you're using our portfolio tracker, you would have that piece of your portfolio coded to fixed income. So if you put that in there and it's way over the amount there and you really see that you need to have that money invested somewhere else and you're wanting to see growth from that part of it, then um, you should probably wait. It also will depend on what rate they are offering you when it renews. So if they're offering still 4%, that might be a good uh, rate to lock in, depending on how how long they'll let you lock it in. So consider it a piece of your portfolio. There's also the option that you can move part of it. So if you want to leave the whatever would make up the your allocation for fixed income there and move part of it, you can do that too. So many times, you know, we get trapped into the black and white thinking that it's all or nothing, and we forget that we can do a little bit of both. So if that works out and you can fill your fixed income part of your allocation with that, you could keep it there and then move the rest of it to where it needs to go. Nice, Shanna. Jumping over to Facebook here, we've got Thelma saying, my question is, my aunt died in 2019 and she left me a beneficiary IRA, which she had already been taking uh, the RMD. It's almost enough to pay off our mortgage, approximately 46000 Only income tax would be taken out. We already have our own retirement. Would it be a good idea to cash it out to pay off our mortgage? What do you think? Um, read the first part of that to me again. Sure. She died she in died 2019. She died in 2019, okay. left her a beneficiary IRA, which she'd already been taking the RMD. Okay, and she doesn't say how old she, she is, She doesn't right? say how old she is, Okay, yeah. so lots of considerations there, um, Thelma. So 
One is um, how old you are. Are you retired? Do you still have a mortgage? Ideally, it's a good thing to have your mortgage paid off in retirement. Now, if you have plenty of income elsewhere and the mortgage payment is not a burden to you, then you could keep it. Also, do you have plans to downsize? I would not pay off a mortgage for a home that you plan to sell soon because it just, whenever you pay off a mortgage, you money has to have a home. So cash, either you have a choice to either invest it or you can pay off debt. So yes, it also depends on what your interest rate is for that mortgage. If you have a really great interest rate, then you know maybe it's not such a, a great idea to do that. So lots of considerations there. The thing that I kind of want to key in on and use this as kind of a um, edifying moment for everyone else, the key there is that her aunt died in 2019. So um, as a non-spouse, she likely has the option to take that money out over her lifetime. Now, that the Congress um, the, did change the rule for non-spouses inheriting uh, IRA assets, and give you it gives you now 10 years to get that done, unless, of course, you inherit it from somebody who was not yet taking their required minimum distribution. So new guidance issued out in September. We talked about that a little bit on the show. Um, maybe you can go back and catch that uh, on the podcast or the the phone app. Shanna, but, I'll just jump here in, in as well and say she is 60. She just said that on Facebook. So I don't know if that is, changes the answer at all. She's okay, 60 years she old. is 60. Um, 60 and still working, I would probably opt to not pay that off um, as long as the the house payment is not a burden to you and the interest rate is low. Well, folks, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to be back for more financial issues right after this. People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Securities offered through G.A. Reppel & Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily represent those of G.A. Reppel or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt, and I hope you paid attention to that little disclaimer there uh, so you'll know the lens in which we are answering questions. So without further ado, let's get to some questions. Robert's calling from Mississippi. Thank you for taking my call, Shana. Um, 
I'm transferring a little money every year out of an IRA, and I have a, a Roth account and a brokerage account. I'm 69 years old, and I was wondering, am I better off transferring this money into a Roth or the brokerage account? Okay, that's a great question. So the answer here is really about minimizing risk. And the risk that we're talking about is regulation risk. So the regulation risk is that both traditional and Roth accounts are qualified money because they qualify for special tax treatment because the government says so. And because the government says so, they can say something different if they get enough support to change the law about it, which they haven't done over t- over time. Um, so it's going to depend on what your balance is. You know, if you're if you've got a good, healthy amount in non-qualified, that gets the least favorable tax treatment because you've got to pay taxes on your dividends and capital gains if you realize them if you're in a certain tax bracket. In a non-qualified account, the Roth gets the best tax treatment, meaning that you never have to pay taxes on your interest or your earnings there. So I would take a look and see what your breakdown is, what your percentages are between the different types of account. If you already have a good, my priority would be to see you get some into non-qualified accounts if you have none there. Um, so you can... Uh, build that up because you won't have to worry about law changes there. So if you've already got a pretty healthy non-qualified account, then you could consider doing some to the Roth part. Okay. Well, I just opened the um, non-qualified or the brokerage account because I think I listened to you earlier and it makes me a little nervous thinking about the government being able to come in. Well, we're going to start taxing the Roth. So I was concerned about that. So I may just move it into the brokerage account, I guess. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you need to be aware of on the Roth account um, is the, it sounds like you've already had one, but there is a five-year rule on that for being able to get the money out fully tax-free. So you have to have it established for at least five years and, you, you know, you have to meet some other criteria. So just make sure that if you do consider the Roth that you're, that you have other places to pull income and money from if you need it in the next five years, if it's new. So the, it doesn't, uh, I don't have to, if I make a transfer into the Roth, I don't have to wait five years to get the money out if I've had the Roth account for over five years. Most likely. I will tell you that the ordering rules inside a Roth are a little bit more complicated, but you know, as long as it's a qualified distribution, then you don't have to worry about it. So you just want to kind of review those those criteria, compare it to what you've done, and you know, if you have any questions, maybe check with a tax professional. Okay, well I appreciate your help. All right, Seth, what do we have there on social? A couple more things here, Shanna. We got uh, Will asked a good question yesterday, actually. We are able to get to it now from Texas. He's asking about CD11, and he's saying, will it be able to support their current dividend? What do you think, Shanna? Well, only time will tell. Um, as of now, we think that they will, at least in the short term, but it's something that we will be watching. So if you're an income investor and they do end up cutting the dividend, then that is your cue to find, uh, to well, to look and see what the current dividend yield is and then see if you need to move it. Now, I will also mention that it is a small cap company. So if you don't have a high, you know, or a, a moderately high 
appetite risk, then you probably should avoid that company altogether. So, um, you know, we're going to try to do some videos if I can't find one that's already been made. There's a lot of commentary on the website um, here and there that that's, that leads you in the way, um, you know, if you're an income investor, if you're a 65-plus investor, you want to focus mostly on large and mid-cap stocks and kind of stay away from the micros and small caps unless you have the risk tolerance uh, to stay in it if you see a dramatic swing in price. So um, for now, yes, but we'll keep an eye on it. Awesome. Very good, Shanna. We'll hope you uh, got that answer that you were looking for and hope you're still listening. Uh, next one here, a couple more came in, Shanna. Judith from Texas on the website saying, if Timothy Mutual Funds are best purchased in qualified accounts, why are Timothy ETFs best purchased in brokerage accounts? What do you think? Well, that's a great question, and it reminds me to tell you that the Timothy plan has made their capital gains distribution for their mutual funds, and they started trading ex-dividend yesterday. So mutual funds um, and ETFs are under two different set of tax rules. So in a mutual fund, there's uh, a mutual fund typically has active management, which means that you have fund managers who are all year long buying and selling different things according to the objective and the rules of their fund. And by law, if they realize any of those gains, they have to distribute those to the people that own it. That's the shareholder. So that's what tends to happen in late November, early December for most mutual fund holders is that they get these capital gains distributions. So these are taxable to the owner of the mutual fund, you'll get a a 1099 for that. So if you own those inside of an IRA, none of that income is reportable because it's all either tax deferred or if it's in a Roth, possibly tax free later on. ETFs have a different set of rules. So they do not have to distribute their capital gains to their shareholders. They are passively managed, meaning that they are managed. Um, They don't have someone who's like a lifeguard. You can think of a mutual fund like a pool with a lifeguard. They can can let people in. They can yank people out or companies. um, And so they're actively managing. An ETF is a passive strategy. So it is a strategy. It lines out, here's what we're going to do if these things happen. So it determines what goes into and comes out of an ETF. Typically, they are rebalanced according to their rules twice a year, and because of the set of uh, laws that they're under, they do not have to pass those capital gains onto their shareholders. It's just considered an exchange of one company for another in the the basket that the ETF manages. So they're a li- that makes them the ETFs more tax efficient, which makes them better to hold in a brokerage account that can be taxable. Awesome. Ed here on the website is saying, is it more appropriate to hold uh, FI positions in an individual account as opposed to a Roth IRA? He's 74 years old. Okay. Good question. So um, it depends on where your assets are and what types of accounts that you can have. So you can have qualified accounts and non-qualified accounts. The most popular qualified account is a traditional IRA. We also have Roth IRAs. Their tax treatment is different, but they're qualified money because they're 
the they qualify for special tax treatment, and then you just have your regular investment account that where you know you have to pay taxes on your dividends and capital gains if you get them. So the Roth account is where you want to own the most aggressive part of your portfolio because as the law sits right now, that gets the best tax treatment. So you don't get a tax deduction for the money that you put into that account, but as long as the law never changes, you never have to pay taxes on the growth. So FI is fixed income. Fixed income, that's where you should see your least amount of growth. You should see a consistent revenue stream. So I prefer to see those in uh, non-qualified accounts or your traditional IRA accounts. Because in an IRA, you have tax deferral or postponement. Basically, you're going to pay taxes at a later time and a different rate maybe than what you're paying now whenever you take it out. So um, if you're going to use that strategy... Don't do your fixed income in the Roth. Very nice. Word of encouragement here, Shanna from Brian in Virginia. He said a great explanation of the ETF mutual fund differences, Shanna. Thank you, Brian. And I do appreciate that explanation there, Shanna. It was good. Great. Maybe we can make that into a short clip and yeah, add it to definitely. the to the video library there. Well, let's see if we got time to get to Blair. Blair is calling from Virginia. Hi, Blair. Hey, quick question for you regarding my uh, cash position. I know you, you've changed that up and I'm trying to follow it and get more money in the market. Currently, my four, uh, I'm currently 64 years old. I plan to work as long as I can. Um, I've got probably about 22, 23% of my retirement in the current 401k. And due to the limitations, I've got it in U.S. government securities funds and fixed interest funds. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to make sure I would categorize that based on the portfolio tracker so I could possibly sell uh, within my IRA um, FIPCX. That would free up about another 8% cash that I could invest. I'm not sure how to do this. Okay, so you, you cut out there on the on the symbol, but the twenty two percent of that's of your portfolio that's in the four hundred one k and the two funds that you mentioned, those are both fixed income. So you can include those on your portfolio tracker as part of your investable portfolio, and just code those the government securities and the fixed interest as fixed income, and then the rest. Um, would be cash. So if you're over there a little bit, just consider that part of your. You can code part of it to cash, and or just consider that you've that you've met your cash holdings there. Very helpful. Thank you. I will do so. Okay. Great. Great question. Thanks for calling. Well, folks, we're coming up on a break, and then we're going to ease into the last part of our show today. So we'll be back with more financial issues. Never be without quality, God-honoring entertainment. Always at your fingertips and within your view. In your home and on the go. You'll never be without FISM TV. Watch financial issues. Outspoken. FISM News and more God-honoring TV right where you are. Tune in to FISM TV anywhere, anytime. 
I would like to thank you very much for giving me the impetus to consolidate my portfolio into one advisor. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. Everything fell into place. I felt so much peace and the consistent ethic. There is a certain contentment that everything will be fine. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to to take care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple temple of of God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read his word daily, and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, building God's kingdom. If you like what you're hearing right now, you're going to love going to the website, FISM.TV. Keep listening to this show right here and right now, but later when you're done, go visit our website. It's FISM.TV to learn more about this show and plenty more. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program. Welcome back to Financial Issues for the Home Stretch today. I just want to remind you that Financial Issues, uh, FISM team, has a news broadcast that comes on every night at 6 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. The best way to get that is to get our phone app, whether you're Apple or Android. You can get us. You can watch live there. You can go back and listen later or watch later or anytime that's convenient for you. You can also get all of the news articles there and the nightly newscast so that you can keep up with what's happening in the world from a biblical worldview. We believe that God owns everything, and we want to help you honor God by 
investing in a biblically responsible way. This helps to defund darkness so that you don't allow companies to use the money that you've invested, that you are stewarding for God in things that do not honor God and go against our values as as Christians and, quite honestly, fund the things that we are praying against all the time, abortion, pornography, the LGBTQ plus agenda uh, that is just defrauding and deceiving our children into believing the worldview that they are in control of their own destiny, that they get to choose what they want to be in spite of what their chromosomes say, that they are the boss of their own lives. So we push back against the darkness by not allowing our money to be funneled into those agendas through our investing. We also encourage you to be a good steward by funding the light, and we give you so many opportunities to do that. We partner with great ministries like India Partners, uh, Preborn Ministries, who is a champion in the fight against the damages of abortion in our country, and also the AFA Foundation, as you can get a charitable gift annuity from them. And of course, our ministry is partner funded to a large degree. So we encourage you to become a partner. If you do, you get access to our buy and sell list that we uh, publish uh, at least weekly. Uh, We make changes during the week sometimes, send out sell alerts if you need to sell something. We also provide asset allocation models for you to be able to construct your own portfolio. We have lots of videos that you can watch to learn how to do all of this. We have a monthly, at least monthly, partner conference call. If you like your partnership, if it has been a value to you, then you can gift one to somebody else. Maybe your church, maybe a uh, an adult child, maybe somebody else that you mentor in a financial kind of way. You can go to our website, financialissues.org. Down the right-hand side, there's a blue space there that you can put in their information. You can pay for it, and then it will give them access to the website for a year. And then hopefully they will learn so much and glean so much wisdom that they will continue it the next year. Uh, We are also having a financial issues retreat coming up in April of this coming year. Registration is open. Um, Spots are limited because we're having it at the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove in North Carolina. It's a great, very intimate, very uh, anointed setting. So uh, space is limited. So get in there. Tony Perkins will be our keynote speaker. I will be speaking and Marty Getz will be leading worship. So let's get to some of those website or social questions. Good call here, Shanna. Clint on the website is saying, hi, Shanna. I just want to clarify, if we're supposed to have 1% to 2.5% of our portfolio in each stock plus mutual funds on top of that, that means we should own about 40 to 100 separate stocks, correct? Is there an easy way to track this without the portfolio tracker? I am 52 years old. What do you think? Clint, there is not an easy way that I have found to track this without the portfolio tracker. So I've been in private practice for a long time. I've been following Dan's strategy since uh, 2015. And um, when I started, there was no portfolio tracker. So I created my own spreadsheet to do this. And um, 
So if you're an Excel guru or a spreadsheet guru, you might be able to do that okay. But the portfolio tracker that we have now uh, is very similar to to what I was using prior to the creation of the portfolio tracker. So um, the portfolio tracker is the easiest way and the most economic way. The Regular partnership is $85 a year for just $124 a year, a slight increase over that. You get access to that portfolio tracker, and it makes it super easy. It gives you a really clear way of seeing where you are and where you need to go. So the ideal number of positions for individual stocks, and this uh, guideline of 1% to 25 or 3% per individual stock is not going to... 100 is too many positions. I'll just say that right off the bat. So you want to end up, depending on the size of your portfolio, somewhere between 25 and maybe 35 individual positions. In addition to that, then you have the rest of the uh, funds and ETFs and cash positions that we have um, recommended for the different age models. So that 1% to 3% there is flows out of that. So if you have 3% to a given sector, then, you know, you probably want to have three stocks there because you want to have good diversification within your sector too at 1% each. Um, That just gives you the way to um, anything less than 1% really is going to be a negligible, is going to have a negligible impact on the uh, overall portfolio. So it is a little bit of a a concentrated strategy, but um, we believe that that's what has produced the great results um, so far up to this point, and we're sticking with that going forward. We've got Tammy calling from North Carolina. Hi, Tammy. Uh, good morning. Thank you, Shanna, for all of your information. And my question is this. I'm looking at the income-only model, and I'm not able to buy the uh, Timothy funds. My question is this. I have two ETFs. I have ETF2 and ETF5. And I'm wondering if I can some way plug part of these or all of it into the TP fixed income fund or the TP high yield bond fund. If you can use those ETFs instead of the other two that you mentioned? Okay. Um, you you and, want to, instead of doing the I, mutual funds, you want to do the ETFs. Is that what you're saying? Right. Can I, rather than to sell these ETFs and try to find something else, can I somewhere or another plug ETF2 or ETF5 into what I mentioned before? Okay. So th- they're, they're very different. So you don't want to... Um, allocate those two towards either of those mutual funds. The two mutual funds that you mentioned are fixed income. So if you can't get those Timothy plan um, mutual funds, what I would do is focus on some of the other fixed income um, investments that we have now. One great idea that I think you could pursue is to build a little bit of an income, a CD ladder Uh, Short-term CD rates are really good right now, so um, upwards of 4%. I think you can find, especially if you're using a brokerage platform, 
You can look at their brokered CDs. You just want to make sure that they're FDIC insured, um, that they're that you don't exceed the FDIC limit for any one issuer. But you can go in there and you could look at, uh, see what rates are. You could get a one-year CD, a two-year CD, a three-year CD. I don't know that I'd go a whole lot longer than that, but that's going to give you a pretty good yield for that part of that money. Okay, I appreciate that. And now to confirm, I understand this. There's really, I I would need to sell my ETF2 and ETF5. There's nowhere in this entire asset allocation model that I could use either or part of those. Is that correct? Um, I want to say that that at least one of them was still in the model, but you're going to want to look at just do follow the model. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm doing, and neither one is in the model. So, okay. so I think that's my question then. Yeah. Yeah. So the income model is uh, really focused on income, so we're really trying to get that yield up for you there. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I will need to sell those and go the other route then. And I, I was just trying to simplify things, and I don't think I can do it. But I really appreciate you give wonderful information, and it works. Great. Well, okay. thanks so much. We appreciate your encouragement, and we really appreciate your partnership. Thank you very much, Shanna. All right. I think we can hit maybe some social or I website questions. I think we questions. can here, Shanna. Yeah, let's get one here real quickly. Craig is saying, I have $14,000 to invest uh, in financials, preferreds, REITs, my traditional IRA. Using your investment model, 65 into retirement. On your buy list, you have only one stock, FR20, on the REITs list and none in the financials and preferreds. Do I wait until you add stocks or do I invest only in FR20? I'm 70 years old. Just wait. Um, we are. There's a lot of stocks that we're right on the verge of adding, and some are in that area too. So just hang on. Um, keep in mind as you're building a portfolio, you're building a portfolio that you intend to keep forever. You know, you'll make modifications to that. There might be reasons to sell some things in the future to replace them. But you're looking at positions that you can own for a really long period of time. So you don't want to get overweighted in any one position. So no more than two and a half or three percent there. Um, And then you because you want to save space to have diversification in that area. So let's just say if there's only, I think, four percent allocated to that total, I wouldn't do more than half. Remember that God owns everything. The master's coming back. There's going to be a test. Let's be found good and faithful stewards of everything the master has trusted us with. I'm your host, Shanna Burt. Lord willing, we will be back next week for more financial issues. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.